up guys it's your boy Gusnov back at it again with another video so I've wanted to make this video for a while now um, and I think it's something that's <clears throat> I mean it seems to me now that it's a very important project that I think needs to be worked on and uh, I think that it hasn't been worked on because of a certain ideology that uh, kind of really sprung up in the 1950s around, uh, I think, military thought. But uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. <clears throat> anyway, you know, you see, you know the title. So anyway, the point is, how do we survive a nuclear war? And uh, just to preface that, let's just go into, I think, two details that I think are important to know. The first detail is that the history of humanity has been incredibly brutal. I think the median age or something like that for most of human history was like 10 years old or something like that. Like most people died in most tons of women died in childbirth and almost all kids died. I think something like that people would have tons of kids but the population would like barely increase if at all um, so humanity has been incredibly brutal like and also people people didn't like barely had enough to eat for most of human history I mean you you, you can just see I mean Many some people would say that it's oh this is a, this is simply a, a sexual preference but that 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 caused this um, but but most people were short for most of human history and I'd say that that's due to diet some people would say oh no it's a selected thing people selected for some people who were short in the past which isn't which I, I think is completely false um, but but people were shorter and that's because like like by a huge margin um, and that's probably because our diets were so uh, we didn't have anything like almost anything to eat and 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 you just just looking at at that like if you look at the the kind of gdp or or population um versus time graphs for most of human history compared to now it's 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 we live in an anomaly we live in a, in a complete anomaly because y you look at it it's like st stable, stable, like the GDP and the population aren't increasing at all. And then 1800, the 18, 17, 1800 show up and then phew, there's like a huge exponential increase. And people take that for granted. That is probably the most important fact of, uh, of, of the modern age. Um, and people take it for granted. <clears throat> um, and, and I think people also take for granted the idea that, okay, it's just always going to be like that. I would say that that there is a likelihood <laughs> yeah I gotta buy my rosary and Bible shoot I was I was uh, I was thinking about something um, yeah since I moved to New York, uh, I don't have another Royce rosary and Bible, so I need to get one of those. Anyway, what were we talking about? 
Uh, oh yeah, okay. There's no reason to think that that conditions could return to that. Like conditions, reality hasn't changed. Reality has not changed. Um, like nothing, nothing in the 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 the, the, the constant, the, the the physical constants of the universe, and this and that, has made it so that we can't return to. Um, I guess the, the the brutal reality that was <clears throat> most of human history, and we really don't realize in the West how bad it can get. So, and I think that this this kind of this kind of idea, this kind of vague awareness that it was bad in the past. Um, Is I think I think that's kind of what led to 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 nineteen, well, late twentieth century century hyper rationalism in the military, like and and, and just in general society. Um, hyper rationalism means that using like mathematical modeling and game theory and things like that, we can essentially optimize how problems are solved, or more specifically, how we would fight a nuclear war or something like that. And by using this, this, this advanced modeling, we can, we can get the best result or we can minimize the amount of casualties and stuff like this and blah, 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 blah. And I would say that, that reducing it to just one solution like that is, uh, well, that's what happened. Um, and, and I think in the early fifties to sixties, like we were thinking about a lot of different solutions to nuclear war and then I guess coming into the 70s, 80s plus, like we kind of, I mean, we, we didn't really take other solutions seriously. Um, I didn't think, well, anyway. And I think, <clears throat> I think maybe one of the reasons is that people kind of know that it's, 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 it's gonna, yeah, well, people know, I guess, to an extent. Um, that it could get bad, but they think that 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 type of a life, you know, that's that has a significant decrease in the standards of living that they have currently, it, they they equate that with death just because it's such a, a a a complete shift away from what they're doing, and I'd say that that's a pretty that's a bad way of looking at it. That's a really bad way of looking at it because. The, the people for most of human history, they survived. They, they thought that, that their life was worth living, and they, they continued, even though maybe they, they faced a lot of challenges. So to say that, 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 that the standard of living that, that could happen if we return to such a thing is, is uh, you know, oh, it's, it's unlivable. I, I think that's just a, a cowardly thing, and I think that that's kind of what many people uh, kind of... That, that, that's a mindset that many people thinking about this problem fell into. They're like, oh, wow, a nuclear war would make us live like horrible lives, I guess, in terms of standard of living. So that just means the end of the world. But what they didn't really think, they, they didn't think about this in, term, in the long term. They didn't think about this in terms of humanity as a whole. Humanity as a whole, if you look at our future, not just a, oh, well, 100 years from now, oh, 1,000 years from now. No, but like millions of years from now. Because that is a real thing. A million years from now isn't just some figment of our imaginations. And we can get there. 
I would say. We, we, humanity can, can, can survive into the far, far future, and it's up to us. But I think that, 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 that everyone who's been thinking about this in the 20th century, or most people, have thought about this in a very short-term mindset, like, oh, our standard of living is going to be bad in the short term. Anyway, um, and that, 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 that pushed them into solution spaces that were, that focused more on total prevention rather than, okay, you know, it happened. How do we make the most out of this? I think that's probably a, I feel like that's a more practical way of doing it. You know, like for example, one, one solution is, you know, we just need nuclear disarmament. We're going to disarm everybody, which isn't going to happen. Like I've, I've, read, I've read a bunch of studies on this, or, or studies, papers, whatever. Everyone basically concludes that it, it won't happen. And even if it does happen, then let's say um, two superpowers begin a, a, uh, uh, a war against each other, right? The technology... And the, 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 the knowledge of how to create a nuclear weapon hasn't just disappeared. People know how to do it now. So given a conventional war between the United States and Russia without nuclear weapons, they'd end up making nuclear weapons, and then you'd have a nuclear war. So there's no way around this. Um, yeah. Anyway. So what's the point here? The point is, number one, the threat of nuclear war is real. That's what I was trying to say. Humanity has lived for most of its history in pretty, uh, pretty brutal conditions compared to where we are now. Nature is extremely brutal. And to assume that we can't go back to those conditions is naive. Number two, the, the, the second point of this is that if we do return to those conditions, it doesn't mean that it do, it's not equivalent to death. It doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It just means that we've reset ourselves or went backwards. And if you look at the actual kind of modeling of what a nuclear war would look like, from my understanding, around 300 to 400 million people would die in the direct nuclear exchange. And due to starvation, I think upwards of 5 billion people would die due to the fact that there would probably be a, uh, a nuclear um, nuclear winter afterwards. Um, but from my understanding, or everything I know about this, most of the people who die in the very beginning wouldn't die... Well, most of the people who died in this conflict would not die due to the actual warhead exchange itself. It, they would die due to the, the the aftermath, and I would say that that if we have a proper what would it, what would it be grid structure or infrastructure, we can probably save millions not tens of millions of lives by just doing some simple things that sure would cost a little bit more in the, the short term but just looking at how many lives they would save and how much pr 
prog- future progress it could it could help us with you know it's an insurance policy i would say it, it'd be 100 worth it but let's get into this one thing and just to preface the next part one thing that that a lot of people kind of uh a lot of people say, I think, when it, when it comes to underground building projects or, or new underground building projects, a lot of people are very skeptical of it. They're like, oh, wow, it's, building underground, it costs a lot of money. Building underground, it's da-da-da, it's da-da-da-da-da, yeah. I'm sure that, that before the, the New York subway system was built, I'm sure before the, the London underground sub- subway system was built, I'm sure before the, 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 the subway systems in Europe and all across the world were built, uh, it was probably seen as an insane project. And especially if you told them how 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 big we've built so far, people would probably, I'm sure people would, say, would, would have said, no, that's that's impossible. You need to displace so much under uh, so much rock, so much dirt. You need to you need to excavate. It would be it would be it would be an impractical um, solution towards transportation. Why don't we just build roads? Why don't we just have roads everywhere? But regardless, what happened? We have, I think, over 600 miles of, of, of uh, subway track in New York City alone. And across the world, probably probably thousands of miles. <clears throat> and we've done an incredible amount of excavation. Um, so that my point there is that, that, that shying away from underground me- mega projects isn't really... Uh, I, I don't think it's a very uh, I don't think it's a very great argument or a very great uh, kind of oh we, we can't do it just because it's going to be impractical we've done it before so <laughs> what's what's your point so let's get to the solution the solution of how you survive a nuclear war or how you get enough people to survive a nuclear war is as follows I think that if you design blast-resistant nuclear architect- anti-nuclear architecture, meaning, well, anyway, let me, let me preface this. I, in undergrad, I, I designed I designed a building for this, um, and I, I did a lot of research into what this would actually look like. And and sure, maybe maybe it's kind of you know not a hundred percent there, and I'm sure it isn't. But the solution, the solution for the most part, um, should. To definitely work, and I think that what I designed, even though I think my anal- analysis methods were a little imperfect, um, I designed a a uh, uh, one of these buildings that could be- essentially survive a a, uh, a nuclear blast, like a like a like one megaton or something like that. From or it was either a hundred megatons or a hundred kilotons or one megaton from around uh, a kilometer away. But you can definitely you can definitely survive, and the way that you do it, is, number one, you build it underground sufficiently enough. Number two, um, you use the principle of silencers in terms of like tube loss and in terms of fluid dynamic tube loss uh, or head loss or whatever you would want to call it um, down a tunnel. So 
So the way silencer works is you have like a straight path of a uh, of, of a compression wave, um, you know, behind a bullet. And what a silencer does is it takes the straight path of the barrel and it uh, like it creates like a maze that the that the how would you say it the compression wave has to follow. So instead of just going straight. It goes left, it goes right, and da da da, and it breaks it up, and then it loses and dissipates energy as it goes along. And I would say that you use the same principle inside of a nuclear blast shelter, where you have like an underground tunnel, and then in this tunnel you basically have a silencer type of thing. So you have like a bunch of different kind of side tunnels that go in both directions, and the blast would essentially go down and then stop propagating, and then. I mean, if you hit a, if you create like a, just a simple steel door, that'll be a whole do, uh, resist the compression wave and you could probably survive in there. And I guess if you optimize it, you could probably get away with not even building that far underground. Now, surviving a direct nuclear blast, I'm sure that you could probably do it, but it would just be a little more difficult to achieve and then also or a lot more difficult to achieve and then also the places that are going to be hit with a direct nuclear blast um, they already have a lot of buildings there so well let's stick to uh, let's stick to the, the one kilometer away kind of approach or let's stick to building new developments further away from, I guess, let's say a city epicenter or some place that's going to be directly targeted by nuclear warheads. Anyway, so that's step one. You create a, a blast-resistant nuclear, arc, uh, underground nuclear, you know, building design. And 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 one one thing I think is important about this was really important to know is I think that if 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 if, the, if this technology didn't do multiple things if it didn't help solve multiple problems I wouldn't even be talking about it but what 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 underground nuclear or un- underground architecture does um, it's 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 actually pretty incredible and I think that I think that that it, that it's a very under not underdeveloped but under it's a technology that hasn't been explored very much and I think it definitely should. Let me just go into all the the, the reasons why I think it's an it's incredible technology. Number 1. Once you I think go a few feet underground, the temperature all around you hits a constant 40 degrees, 40 degrees Celsius, I think, or not 40 degrees, 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And what does that mean? That means that in the summer, it provides free cooling. In the winter, it provides heating, right? It's a, it's a great kind of equal, or how would you say it? Like a a great way of uh, kind of stabilizing your temperature and and it would 
I haven't done the calculations. I definitely should, but essentially, it it would most likely make our energy costs like we would save a huge amount of energy uh, by by implementing this technology in terms of uh, heating and cooling systems, just because it's literally the the outside environment of of this the walls of this of this underground building would be would would be would be cooled automatically and yeah anyway we've gotten into that the next thing if you build an underground building what's on top of it well it could be anything you want but it could also be a uh i guess dirt and plants and well, the environmentalists don't want us to uh, don't want us to destroy the environment. This is one way to do it. Instead of having, instead of, I guess, <clears throat> taking up a lot of or destroying an existing kind of natural space for human survival or whatever, you can just dig underground where no one's living, while without really without really destroying a natural environment on top and you have the best of both worlds I mean imagine just a bunch of like small trees or shrubs or grasslands like you know on top of where you're living like it would be it would probably be the most efficient or, or environmentally friendly way of building a human pro, uh, human building that, 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 that is really possible I would say unless you unless you make like a floating kind of balloon house or something which wouldn't really work but um anyway so 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 that's the one thing right energy cost too the the energy costs of heating and cooling and the the fact that you aren't really destroying an existing environmental space both of those both of those make this a very eco-friendly architectural system what else do we have what else do we have um Let's go back to the nuclear thing. So most people die would 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 probably die after a nuclear war due to famine and starvation. And the reason for that is, as you probably know, the nuclear winter. And some people have said, "Oh, it's, the nuclear winter isn't possible. It wouldn't happen." But we don't really know. And honestly, it very well could. So let's say a nuclear winter happens, and most people starve because plants don't have enough sunlight and they can't make and food creation becomes a much diff- more difficult thing I would say that one solution to that is you simply give plants a different source of energy that energy being some sort of man-made electricity now if you have a a, a sustainable electri- electricity generation system that doesn't really require the sun, such as hydroelectric, nuclear, wind. There's a lot of geothermal. There's a lot of different options. But if if you relied on that instead of instead of solar or or maybe something that that is that is isn't really renewable like. Uh, 
or as renewable, I guess, compared to nuclear, which is like gasoline or fossil fuels, you could probably survive off of a very limited supply of energy for, 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 for a very long time. And that's the second part of the solution. Underground hydroponic farming, which, granted, would take a lot of... Uh, would probably require a very large space. Um, so maybe it doesn't even need to be done underground. Maybe it could be done above ground in a certain specialized environment. But that type of kind of farming system would 100% allow I would say would, would probably allow us to to uh, or each individual or each, each, each person who owns a house or each family to, to create their own food and subsist which is really all you'd need and this is how humanity has really survived for the last 10,000 years plus Everyone has basically farmed their own food. They've planted their own food. They farmed their own food for themselves. And granted, it's, I guess, you don't really have the amount of food that, that we do now, right? With like mechanized farming and such. But you can survive. And that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, um, oh, how do we, how do we, how do we maintain the same kind of, you know, how do, how do we how do we have our our, uh, our sugar and our sweets and our comfortable luxuries? No, we're talking about the survival and the continuation of the human project as we see it as we have it now. Because the big threat that exists here isn't the destruction of humanity, because humanity would survive. It's the continuation of the progress of humanity. Because what could very well happen is. If this happens, humanity would humanity would be put back at the very least 200 years, at the very most 1,000, 2,000 years. And there's a re very real existential threat to humanity that we end up getting into a cycle of, of how would you say it, like... Of, of inefficiency and and just non-progress stagnation that, that's that's the word we, humanity could end up stagnating if something like this happened 100% and and if we reach a point of stagnation then then that's the that's the end of humanity that is, that is that is that is probably one of the most likely existential threats to humanity the fact that we we'd stagnate um and and if that happens, well, that essentially means that either some uh, environmental catastrophe catastrophe wipes out humanity like a asteroid impact, or as T approaches like you know a million a billion years or something like that, the sun's just going to destroy us. So there really isn't a an option for for us to um, for us to stagnate. Or else we will die. So that's that's the threat. And if we have a grid of these underground nuclear of, of underground nuclear architecture um, systems and in in these farming systems, and and we're able to to have a continuation of of, of community, you know. 
then we can continue the kind of the neural net of 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 people exchanging ideas, exchanging um, you know, making progress on things. And 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 a, a setback from a from a catastrophic nuclear war wouldn't be as bad as it could have been. Excuse me. And and I think that's really what we're looking for. Because right now, what's our alternative? Our alternative is everyone dies and then you're out for yourself. And the people who have who have been in charge of our civilization for the last 50 years, they have called it quits for probably one of the greatest existential threats to humanity that we've ever faced. And they've said, oh, you know what? Our solution of thinking about this problem you know we're just going to think our way out of this box i'm going to i'm going to think about where where i'm going to send nukes so that less people die i've said oh you know what that's it and then maybe we've had a uh, some okay how do we shoot down a a, a missile you know and then, i guess that was a good that was a good plan until now we have hypersonic missiles that are much harder to take down so and sure we should continue those paths but for the most part people people in charge of policy people in charge of kind of the direction that our civilization heads have not been serious about this and it is a serious issue you know if 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 five billion people die if most of humanity dies due to this like that is that is the, the, the it's 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 uh it's unforgivable that the, that we haven't done done more to combat this, and we've had we've had half a century to work on problems, to work on things that would allow us to to finish that point. It's unforgivable that, given the amount of time that we've had of half a decade or so, that we haven't done anything to. To alleviate or, or, or lessen the blow that, that this that this risk would would provide to us. Because one thing I've I've talked to a lot of people about this idea, and one thing that a lot of people say is, "Oh, it would just take a long time. It would take a long time and take a lot of money." Along with, "Oh, it wouldn't save any everybody," which. I mean, the solutions that we have right now wouldn't save everybody. This would save more people, and it's a start. Um, but it would take a long time. It's like, well, from my understanding, in the '60s, we had this. This idea was 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 a, was a was gaining traction, and then we just stopped it because we said, oh, you know, we can we can have we can rationalize our way out of this, and that's the the, the system that kind of took over. And, and there really isn't a, a reason not to do this, except, oh, it'll cost more money. But how much money do we waste every year? How much money goes into uh, to, uh, to anime and into little plastic figurines and into, uh, <laughs> into, into, into candy and into uh, little knickknacks and into video games and into TV shows and movies? You know, billions of dollars, billions of dollars. The, the project I'm proposing to save 10, 20 million people would cost, you know, 
between 10 and 50 billion dollars plus i would say i would say that it's, it's an extremely an extremely um how would you say it it's 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 it's, it's a reasonable cost it's a very reasonable cost it's a very very reasonable cost and the benefits as i've laid them out not only help with you know an insurance policy for humanity's future it also helps the environment 100% it would 100% helps the environment and uh well we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes but some uh uh, a, a great futurist and i'd say i'd say look up um look up uh i'd say read the book the precipice for for a better explanation and and look up uh uh what was it uh, look at uh, existential threats to humanity on youtube or, or st- stuff like that kind of look, look down that kind of rabbit hole but futurists who who are studying this this kind of area The general consensus, I don't like the word consensus, the general idea is that given the fact that humanity could probably reach trillions and trillions of tr- and trillions of people, you know, an unfathomable amount of people in the far future, anything that we do, anything that, 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 that delays humanity from getting there is equivalent to the deaths of like billions of people. Anything that 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 makes us makes it quicker that we get to the future or get get to a point where like trillions trillions of people exist or anything that that reduces the risk of us not getting there is the equivalent of billions of lives saved. And, and and a lot of people in this field argue that th- that is probably one of the, the the main areas that we should be focusing our economic, political, and social efforts um, for the, the for the survival of humanity. And and I'd say that it's a that's a very wise thing. And I'd say go into the mathematics and the, go into the arguments that they have. There's a few YouTube videos on it, but. Um, it's uh, and read the precipice. Great book. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, we can't take things for granted in this life, and human life is the most important thing in the entire universe. I don't think that's crazy to say. And because, for all we know, we're the only conscious species. Really, like we're the only like advanced conscious species to exist. And and if we go, then well, the light of the light from reality might go as well. So yeah. Anyway, one final note, one parting note. Most, if not all, solutions that exist, or all, most, if not all, problems out there have solutions and no matter how hopeless 
the problem may seem, there is more than likely a way to solve it. All you got to do is uh, be creative and be willing to modify the parameters that you would consider success or modify your beliefs or, or your understanding of the problem. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know what you think about this. DM me on Goosenov, Goosenov.shop, wherever. And let's, let's have a discussion about this because I'm very interested. Honestly, this is one thing that I'd probably want to work on for a good part of my life, I'd say. Like this is 100% something cool. Um, but let me know and uh, follow me on uh, Gumroad for, for, more, for more videos like this or more full videos. But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know what else I, you want, want to hear me talk about. And uh, yeah, have a good one, guys.